I was trying to find a, a game to watch last Thursday night. I guess the original Thursday night football game was postponed. So I was searching for a football game to watch, and I found one on ESPN2. It was a high school game between Newman and Booker T. Washington. You say, well, why watch that game? Well, Arch Manning, the son of Cooper Manning, the nephew of Peyton and Eli Manning, and the grandson of Archie Manning, he plays quarterback for that high school team, and he even started his freshman year last year was something Peyton and Eli never did, and his numbers were better than his two uncles there his first year. And so uh, they were talking about Arch a little bit during the game, most of the game they were talking about him. One thing, he asked his grandfather Arch, he calls him Pop. He said, Pop, uh, what advice do you have for quarterback? He said, look, the most important thing for a quarterback to do is take command of the huddle. Arch, you got to take command of the huddle. Take command of the huddle. Arch said, well, you know, Pop, that's going to that's gonna be hard to do. In fact, that's not going to work because we never huddle. There's no huddle to take command of. We don't ever huddle up. Well, when Jesus comes off the mountain in Matthew chapter 7, at the beginning of Matthew chapter 8, there is no question whatsoever who's the king of that hill. Uh, apparently, Arch is giving his uncle some competition on who will be the king of the quarterback hill at this, at least on the high school level. There may be a question mark, but when we get to Matthew 7 and Matthew chapter 8, there is no question whatsoever about who's the king of the hill. Jesus is not only the king of the Jews here, and not only is the king of the Sermon on the Mount, he's the king of all kings, he's the king of the kingdom of heaven. You think about the word kingdom, right? And if you take the word king out of the word kingdom, all you're left with is D-O-M, dumb. And any kingdom without a king is just dumb. And the kingdom of heaven has a king. And it's not Peyton, it's not Eli, it's not Archie, it's not Arch, it's not you, it's not me. It's the Lord Jesus. And as he comes down off that mountain, he killed it on the mountain, by the way, with the best sermon ever preached coming off that mountain. Walking down that mountain, the Bible says that the crowds were astonished at his teaching. He taught as one who had authority and not like their scribes. And they were just astounded by this. No question about it that he is the king of the hill. So today I want to talk to you about what happens when he gets off the hill. He comes off the hill and immediately he starts doing what he was doing back in Matthew 4. And that is healing people. He starts healing them again. So I want to talk to you on this subject today, healed at the hill. At the cross of Calvary, that hill called Calvary is the place where whosoever will, anyone and everyone, all and each can be healed, can be saved, can be forgiven. So I want to start in verse 1. I'm going to read these four verses in Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, 2, 3, and 4. You follow along as I read. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. When he came down from the mountain... Great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof, a testimony to them. Father, we pray this morning that as we sit under the teaching of the Holy Spirit, 
that God, you would begin to change us, that you would begin to convict us, that you would begin to move in our hearts, that you begin to shape us more like your son Christ and give us the humility and the awareness to understand that you are authoritative and that you love us and that you've come to save us and give us a purpose and a future. So God, we pray right now that everything that happens here will be for your glory and for our good and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 8 picks up where Matthew 4 left off with the Sermon on the Mount, kind of being a a parenthesis in the middle. Okay, So Matthew 4 ended with Jesus healing all kinds of affliction, proclaiming the gospel, and teaching in their synagogues. And his fame spread throughout all Syria. And he's healing people, paralytics, epileptics, those afflicted with various diseases and sicknesses. And he's healing them, and he's healing them. And the Bible says great crowds followed him. And then he goes up to the mound, and he preaches. And then he comes back down the mound, and then great crowds are following him. So here's what I want to go ahead and share with you the takeaway today simply stated like this Jesus's will is to heal us his will is to heal us now does he want to heal us physically yes we see that in Matthew 4 we see it in Matthew 8 but he also wants us healed spiritually we see that in Matthew 5 6 and 7 now does that mean that Jesus will always heal every physical ailment that you have on this earth no it doesn't but here's what it does mean If you're in Christ, if you have been saved by the blood of Christ and you put your faith alone by grace alone in Christ alone, I don't care if you have terminal cancer. If you're in Christ, that cancer is only temporary. Because when you get to glory, that cancer ain't coming with you. It just ain't. It doesn't matter what's wrong with you. You will not take it with you if you are in Christ and have trusted Jesus as your Savior. There is no sickness in heaven. There are no, he wipes away every tear when you get there. Not to worry about that. So yes, ultimately, yes, he will heal every disease and every affliction for those who put their faith in him. Meanwhile, he wants to heal us spiritually. He's all powerful and he's done everything in his power to heal us spiritually. But he's given us free will to receive it. So I want to ask you four questions under this umbrella that Jesus' will is to heal us. I want to ask you four questions. Here's the first one. Will you trust Jesus' availability? Will you trust in the fact that Jesus has made himself available? That he has availed himself and he he is the personification of God. He, He has revealed to us God himself as he is God himself. He is personified, we can say, God Almighty in the person of Jesus. So he has made himself available. Matthew says he came down from the mountain. He came down from the mountain and great crowds followed him. Now these great numbers that are following him, please understand they're not following him because they see him as Lord. In the Greek that word is kurios. Somebody say kurios. That means Lord in the Greek. It's kurios. They're not following him because they see him as their kurios. They're following him because they are curious. They want to know who this guy is. Who is this guy? How can he teach with such authority? 
How can he speak a word in all these afflictions and healings? He, he is doing things that no one's ever done. And he speaks as no one has ever spoken. Who is this guy? So they're curious. So they're following Jesus. So he's made himself available to the crowds. I believe it would probably have been easier for Jesus if he had just stayed on the mountain, right? Not come off the mountain? I mean, do you go out of your way to engage great crowds of people? Or do you go out of your way to avoid great crowds of people? I go out of my way, I'm going to tell you, to avoid great crowds. Jesus doesn't do that. He makes himself available. He avails himself and comes down off the mountain. Now, you've probably said, you've probably heard it said that God is referenced as the man upstairs or the big guy in the sky. Well, God is not a man, number one, and he's not upstairs. He's not a big guy and he's not in the sky. He came down off the mountain. He came to where we are. He entered into our valley. Whatever valley that is, your valley of pain or suffering or guilt or shame, he entered it. He entered into our sinfulness with sinners, yet he without sin. He availed himself. He made himself available. Yet we are too angry with him. And we're too busy accusing God of leaving us high and dry. And we're too depressed. We're too doubtful. We're too fearful. We're too angry. We're too miserable. We're too jealous and too livid. We're too restless and sorrowful and too troubled. That somehow we have forgotten that this Jesus left his high and exalted place under the crown so that he could be high lifted up to, to die in your place on the cross. And somehow we've forgotten that. That Jesus came down. He was high and exalted and he made himself a servant. He humbled himself. Even to the point of death, death on the cross. So you can trust his availability. He didn't do that for himself. He didn't come out of glory to hang on that cross for himself. He did that for you and he did that for me. That's why he did it. So you can trust him. You can trust that he's available. You say, well, pastor, I'm really not a part of any groups. I'm really not a part of any crowds. I'm kind of like an outcast. You ever feel that way? That you don't fit in? You ever feel like a misfit? That you really just don't have a place you fit? Well, guess what? <laughs> There's good news. Because not only did he make himself available to the crowds according to Matthew, but in chapter uh, 8, verse number 2, he makes himself available to a leper. And behold, a, a leper came to him. I promise you the leper was not a part of the crowd. <laughs> the crowd would have parted like the Red Sea when they saw him coming. No way was he a part of the crowd. And leper means a person with this scaly, scabby, leprous disease. A person with leprosy. And he knew he had leprosy because he asked the Lord to make him clean. So he knew he was unclean, apparently. So he, he comes to the Lord, the Bible says. He, he trusts enough in Jesus' availability to approach him. He at least had that much trust in him, that, that I can approach him. And the Lord availed himself to him. So here's what Jesus has done. He's availed himself to the crowds, to the many. He's availed himself to the few, even the individual. He's availed himself to the rich and the poor, the well and the sick. Right? The young, the old, the male, the female, the black, the white. He's availed himself. He's available. If you woke up today and you're breathing oxygen, Jesus is available. He's, he's made himself available to you, to the leper and to the crowds. 
It's, it's almost too much to fathom. I know 2020 has been crazy. And, and, and we're thinking about, man, I wish Morpheus may be available. You know who Morpheus is from the Matrix? Want to see if Morpheus is available to check with him to see if 2020 is a glitch in the Matrix or something? Morpheus is not available. He's, he's not available. We don't need to trust in Morpheus' availability. We need to trust that Jesus is available. Even in 2020, 2020 doesn't surprise him, doesn't scare him. He's not wondering, what am I going to do now? No, he's made himself available. I love what Billy Graham said. Billy Graham said, Christ not only died for all, he died for each. Each one. <laughs> As if you were the, the, the only one in, in the whole universe, Christ would have come and died for you. For all and for each. Derwin Gray said, hey, treat everyone like Jesus died for them because he did die for them. Treat everybody like Jesus died for them. Now, we need to understand something about this. There's a difference between life and lifestyles. Okay, life is about what the Lord has for you. The things that are above lifestyle is about what we think is best for us. We base it on our feelings and our emotions. Life is based on truth. So again, Jesus, he made himself available, but Jesus has not come to accept all lifestyles. That's not why he came. Jesus did not come to accept any and every lifestyle. He didn't come to accept any lifestyles. He came to make life available. He did not come to accept lifestyles. He came to make life available. And that's what he's doing here for the leper. He has availed himself and the leper come, and the leper trust him enough to approach him. You see, the leper came to him. Jesus didn't turn him away. He didn't shoo him or shun him. But the leper had to take that step and believe and have faith and say, Hey, I can trust him enough to approach him. Jesus availed himself. And it's interesting if you watch Jesus in the Gospels, how these crowds begin to follow him and more follow him and more follow him. And it's interesting that as far as the more you go in the Gospels, that Jesus becomes more and more offensive. Like he calls people's sin out. Right? He calls them out for their sin. Says, You go and you sin no more. He's available, yes. But he doesn't accept every lifestyle. That's different from our... Today, the world says you have to be accepting. As the crowd grows in our world and in America, we have to accept everything so everyone will feel accepted. That is not the gospel. Jesus is available to all, but he does not accept all lifestyles. He makes life available to everyone. Whosoever will, will humble themselves and, and pray and seek his face and come before him and bow before him and trust in him. Think about it like this. Who is your favorite author? Best-selling author. Think about that. Best-selling authors, who's your favorite? He or she, whoever it might be. He or she is probably someone else's favorite author. Right? One of mine, I have so many, but one of mine is C.S. Lewis. It would have been cool to have a relationship with C.S. Lewis. That would have been pretty cool. Right? It'd be cool to have a relationship with C.S. Lewis. Now I can't. He's not available. He's not available. Other, because he's not alive. Other authors who are alive, they may not be available because there's so many people that would love to have a relationship with them. They just don't have time to have a relationship with everybody who reads their books. They don't have time to make themselves available to every single fan that reads their books. The best-selling author can't have a relationship with everybody who reads their book. 
But have you ever stopped and considered that the number one best-selling book of all time, of all time, the, the Word of the living God, the author of the Bible, has made himself available to anyone, to everyone, to whosoever will. The question is, are you going to trust that? You have to trust. Trust, trust, trust in His availability. Here's a second question. Will you submit to Jesus' authority? The leper does something pretty brazen. Can I just be frank with you? Pretty brazen. The leper bucks the religious system and makes a beeline to Jesus. And the Bible says the leper came to Jesus and he submitted to the authority of Jesus. How does he do that? What does he first do? What does the Bible say that he does? He came to him and what? He knelt, didn't he? He knelt before the Lord. Okay? He made a beeline to Jesus and got face to face, or we could say face to foot, because he has knelt before him, recognizing that Jesus is authoritative. That's what he's doing. He's recognizing Jesus' authority. And he submits to it, because look at what he says. Real fascinating what he says as he bows before him. Now, in Revelation, John bows to the angel that is revealing the revelation of Christ to him. And what does the angel tell John? Don't do that. I'm a fellow servant. You worship God. Don't worship me. I'm not God. So here the leper bows at the feet of Jesus. Does Jesus say that? Does Jesus say, don't worship me? I'm a fellow. No, he doesn't. Why? Because Jesus is God. That's why. He is worthy of all of our worship. That's why. And so as he bows before him, he says something. He says, Lord. Now that word for Lord means he's provoking his lordship. You know, last time we talked about those who say, Lord, Lord. Not everyone who says that will enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, this, this leper is going to enter the kingdom of heaven because he recognizes Jesus as Savior and Lord. He recognizes his lordship. And so he says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. So he is submitting to whatever the will of the Lord is. He's not doubting or questioning Jesus' ability. He doesn't say, if you can make me clean, will you? He says, I know you can. You're able. But will you? Either way, I'm going I'm to worship you. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego told Nebuchadnezzar, hey, our God can deliver us from the fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down and worship you. We're going to worship the one who is worthy. So the leper is saying, hey, either way, you heal me or not, I'm going to worship you. You are Lord of all. If you will, you can make me clean. I recognize you're able to do this if you will. What do you believe about Jesus? Do you believe Jesus is authoritative? Do you believe that? Do you believe he's available? Do you believe you can trust him? Do you believe you can ask him anything? Do you believe that Thomas Jefferson said it like this? Question, the bold, question with boldness, for if there be a God, he must surely rather honest questioning than blindfolded fear. Man, Jesus can handle your questions. Do you believe Jesus will give you the strength? Even if he says no, do you believe his grace is sufficient for you? Or do you think you've got to get yourself on track? Or do you think you have to do more? Do you think you have to continue to try every avenue before you come to Christ? Are you desperate enough like the leper to come to Jesus, to buck the system, make a beeline to Christ, push pride aside, and just come to the Lord? Are you, are you ready to do that? 
Are you ready to submit to his authority? Now, to do that, you've got to recognize you're unclean. He says, you can make me clean. Obviously, he felt like he was unclean. He knew he was unclean. Maybe you need to start there. Are you aware of the fact that you're a sinner? I read about a coal miner in eastern Kentucky. They called him Grandpa Joe. Grandpa Joe was a hard man, lived a hard life, played hard, worked hard, drank hard. When he was sober, he was the best. But when he was drinking, he disappeared for days on end. At the end of his life, he got liver disease, got black lung disease. On his deathbed, his granddaughter went to see him, tried to get him to trust in the Lord as his Savior and sharing the gospel with him and talking about sin and repentance and faith and grace and trying to get him to trust Christ. And basically, he said, you know, as I think about it, I don't believe I've ever sinned. Which shocked her because he never hid anything. I mean, he, he lived hard and didn't try to hide any of it. So it shocked her at first. And she said, well, Grandpa, all of us have sinned. Can't you think of anything you've done wrong? Anything? He said, well, you know, I did vote for that other party one time. Now, I don't know what other party he meant. But whatever other party that was, he considered it sin. Bottom line is, we're all sinners. We're all unclean outside of Christ. So the leper had to make a personal decision. I need to be clean. Jesus can clean me. I've just got to approach him, trust him, ask him, and see if he will. So here you are today. You've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin. You are un- I'm telling you outside of Christ, we're all sinners. None is righteous. No, not one. We've all fallen short of God's glory. Okay, we've not hit the target. Like if you shoot an arrow with a bow and it falls just before it gets to the target, we've not hit the target. We missed it. All of us have. But Jesus is the one who can take that uncleanliness and make us clean. So you've got to trust him in that. Just like the leper did. Bottom line, will you trust in him? Do you trust the fact that he has all authority? Do you trust the fact that before the presidential election, the Lord's purpose will stand? And after the election, the Lord's purpose will stand? Do you trust him in that? Do you believe that? What do you believe about him? Do you believe he has all authority given to him from heaven and earth? The leper did. He trusted him enough to approach him and ask him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Number three, third question. Here we go. Will you rest in Jesus' ability? Will you rest in Jesus' ability? Verse three is, wow. The, the, The human tongue cannot properly capture the significance of what happens in verse number three. So will you rest in Jesus' ability? Look how Matthew says it. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Now, what you need to know about leprosy is it was, is a horrible, terrible disease. It started out with sores, and then it would grow and fester, and extremities would fall off. Fingers, nose, ears, toes, feet would just fall off. If you were diagnosed with leprosy during this time, it was a death sentence with no hope. Rabbis even said it's easier to raise the dead than for a leper to be cleansed. This was serious stuff. 
And guess what they had to do if you got leprosy? There's no cure for it, nothing they could do. You'll never guess what they had to do. They had to quarantine. Anybody? Heard of that word this year? Quarantine. They had to go outside the camp. They had to go outside the villages and outside the towns and live out there and had to social distance. They couldn't get close to people. And if you felt like a leper was getting too close to you, you could stone them. I mean, you could pick up stones and chunk them at them. Now, we have masks available here. We're not going to make stones available for you to throw at anybody. We're just not. We do have masks, but no stones. And if they got close to somebody, they had to call out, unclean, unclean, to let everybody know that they're lepers and unclean. Wow. So you have that in your mindset, okay? And Jesus stretched out his hand to touch him? Nobody touched a leper. Nobody. It's kind of like if, if you're diagnosed, test positive for COVID-19, and obviously they didn't care much about HIPAA laws because they had to go around saying unclean, unclean. No privacy at all. Everybody knew it. It's kind of like you, if you test positive for COVID-19, you've got to put posted everywhere. COVID-19, COVID-19. Let, let, it, let it out everywhere. And Jesus walks up, stretch out his hand, and touch him. Here's what Max Lucado, I love, Max Lucado wrote from the perspective of the leper. So I want you to hear it from the leper's perspective in the uh, imagination of Max Lucado. Okay, so listen to this. I'll read a portion of what he wrote. For five years, no one touched me. Not my wife, not my child, not my friends. They saw me, they spoke to me. I sensed love in their voices. I saw concern in their eyes, but I didn't feel their touch. There was no touch, not once. What is common to you, I coveted handshakes, warm embrace, tap on the shoulder to get my attention, kiss on the lips. Such moments were taken from my world, and no one touched me. No one. No one even bumped into me. What I would have given to be bumped into, to be caught in a crowd where my shoulder could brush against another's. But for five years, it has not happened. How could it have? I was not allowed on the street. Even the rabbis kept their distance from me. I was not permitted in my synagogue, not welcome in my own house. I was untouchable. I was a leper. And no one had touched me. Until today. I've been to several funerals this year. I know even funerals have been restricted to some degree. And we've been to several this year. And I went the, one of the most recent ones I've been to, I, I met the nephew of the, of the lady who died, and he was telling me about how he cared for his aunt over these last five, six, seven years in this assisted living facility and that one. And this is what he told me, and this is the testimony of so many people, and it is terribly tragic. It's sad, so sad. He said, and he used to see her every day. He said, since COVID, the first time I've seen my aunt since March was the day... I saw her in her casket. It's terribly sad. And this leper was like the walking dead. No one touched him. No one got near him. Yet Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. You can rest in Jesus. You can rest in him. The Bible says he stretched out his hand. Literally, the picture is like if you were to extend the line of an army. Or, or, or this, this may be, be a better way to think of it. Picture a horse at full speed. Not galloping. I'm talking about full speed. 
That's what it means when he stretched out his hand. He extended it to its full length. And he laid hold of the leper. He touched the leper. He fastened to the leper. Can you imagine what that must have been like? For, for the bystanders, he's touching a leper. Nobody touches a leper. What's he doing? You don't touch it. You don't touch him. Don't touch him. And he touched him. So this is what we can know by the verbiage here. that It says it stretched out his hand. and t- This is what we can know. First of all, he didn't just do what we do. He didn't do one of those elbow COVID-19 things like this. Don't touch me or a fist bump or an air hug or air high five. He doesn't do that. He touched him. He touched him. Also, I don't think that he stretched out his hand and Derrick Henry, the guy, like Tennessee Titans running back did to Josh Norman the other night. I don't think he did that. I don't think he reached out his hand or stretched out his hand and threw the guy like that. He probably didn't do that. But what he did was obvious. What he did was clearly seen and intentional. He stretched out his hand and he touched him. Man, can you imagine? And I love the fact that he touched him. Jesus did not have to touch the leper to heal the leper. Jesus did not have to touch the leper to heal the leper. He didn't have to. So why did he? Jesus spoke the language of the people with whom he spoke. Think about the centurion. Matthew chapter 8 verse 5 through verse 13 is the account according to Matthew of the centurion asking Jesus to heal his servant. And the centurion understood authority. He had soldiers under him. He tell the soldier, go. And the soldier went. He would give an order and it was obeyed. And so the centurion looks at Jesus and says, you don't have to come to my house. You don't have to touch the servant. All you have to do, because you have all authority, all you have to do, Jesus, is speak a word and he will be healed. And so Jesus didn't go to the centurion servant's house and touch him. He spoke a word. Why? Because that spoke the language of the centurion. Why did Jesus get into a conversation with the, with the lawyer and ask him questions? The lawyer asked him a question. He's asking the, 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 the lawyer questions. Why? Because that's speaking the language of an attorney. A lawyer. Why did he touch the leper? Because that spoke volumes to the leper. You don't touch a leper. Jesus touched the leper. He touched him. He spoke his language. Why is that important? Because Jesus has come to speak your language, to reach you, to let you know he loves you and wants to save you and make you clean. The Savior has come to cleanse your sin. He approaches the unapproachable. He saves the unsavable. He heals the unhealable. He loves the unlovable. He moves the immovable. This is who our God is. He reaches the unreachable. This is what He does. He speaks our language so that we can understand He's entered into our valley. Not just our neighbor's valley and the people across the world, but even yours and even mine. 
He died for all and he died for each. And Jesus spoke his language. And I want you to see what happens. Jesus reached out. He touched him. He's saying, I will be clean. Jesus didn't say, it doesn't say in verse 3, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, "Uh uh-oh, now I'm unclean. He doesn't say that. Isn't it fascinating that the Lord Jesus touched a leper, yet he remained, Jesus remained clean. He did not, Jesus didn't get unclean. Why? We just sang about it. We just sang that there is no other name. What a beautiful name it is. Powerful, beautiful name. There's no other name above the name of Jesus. And that's just not referring to people's names. Jesus' name is above the name of a leper. Jesus' name is above leprosy. Jesus' name is above sin. Jesus' name is above COVID-19. His name is above all names. The name of Jesus. And he touched this leper and he was clean. And, And look how long it took. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Immediately. That means at once. It means straight away. It means forthwith. If you look at the original language and dissect this word immediately, it literally means faster than Coach Nick Saban was healed from COVID. (laughs) It happens that fast. Immediately. He is cleansed of leprosy. Aren't you so thankful that suffering is only temporary? Good God Almighty, aren't you thankful that suffering doesn't last? It has an expiration date, but joy never ends. Man, far too many of us. I don't know what's happened to us. I don't have a clue. We've lost our fire for the Lord. Somehow we've lost it. I don't know if we got saved and then we sat under teaching and preaching and got this degree and that degree. And the more degrees we get, the less heat we have for the Lord. I don't know what it is. But we've lost our fire for the Lord. We've lost it. This leper didn't lose it. He couldn't help himself. Once he's cleansed, he had to go tell everybody. Isaiah says it like this. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he he was wounded for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. Let us not forget the gospel message that through the cross we've been healed. He has healed us. His wounds have healed us spiritually. So the question is, will you rest in the Lord? I know it's hard to rest. It's hard to rest. You know why? Because we're fidgety. We can't sit still. We feel like we always have to be achieving. Achieve, 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 achieve. The American way is to achieve. But when you rest, you're receiving. You're not achieving Somebody say receive. When you rest, you're receiving. You're not achieving. The most spiritual thing you can do is go to sleep, take a nap. Why? Because you're totally trusting in the Lord that you're going to wake up. You're totally trusting that when you wake up, the sun's going to come up. You have no control. 2020 has taught us this. We have no control over anything. God is in complete and utter control. And when you rest, you are receiving and you're not achieving. And our faith is not an achieving faith. It is a receiving faith. Ephesians tells us that faith is a gift from God Almighty. And we receive it, we don't achieve it. So will you rest in the Lord? 
Will you re-? He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. So will you find rest in him? Will you rest in the fact that he has touched you or he wants to touch you? There's far too many of you walk around with your head down. You walk around thinking in your mind, well, I'm an exception to the rule. He's, he's not going to touch me. I'm an exception. I'm, I'm too far gone. God's hand is not too short to reach you. He's not. Will you trust him to make you clean? He can clean you from your sins. Last question, number four. Will you live for Jesus obediently? Verse 4 is all about obedience. God has commanded him to go and do exactly what Moses commanded in Leviticus chapter 14. That's what Jesus is asking him to do. You go and you obey the word of the Lord. Don't go tell anyone yet because I don't want it getting out that I'm here to heal everybody from everything physical. I want them to know I've not come to deliver them from Rome. I've come to deliver them from their sin. So you go to the priest, you go to the temple, and you show yourself... And you follow through with Moses, what he said in Leviticus 14. It will be a testimony to them that Messiah King is here. That one greater than Moses is here. That the King of kings, the King of the Jews, the King of the kingdom of heaven, he is here. You go to the temple, you go to the priest, you go to the religious elite, and you show them through the testimony of Moses that I, Jesus, am greater than Moses. And so he goes. Well... Mark tells us he couldn't help himself. He had to tell everybody on the way. But why Leviticus 14? Here's why Leviticus 14. Think about this. Leviticus 14 is a procedure ceremonially that people would do to be clean, to to go from unclean to clean. And it involved two birds. One bird was slain. It was killed. It pictures the death of Messiah, that Christ has died. There's a sacrifice That's what the one bird was used for, a sacrifice. The second bird was let go. He flew off, picturing the resurrection of Christ. So it's a whole picture of Jesus coming to be sacrificed, die, raised to life, to make us clean. So he says, leper, you go to the priest, to the temple, as a testimony of who I am. Am. You be obedient. Is your life an obedient testimony to who God is? Are you living an obedient life? Listen, if you've already say, back to the third question, the third question was, will you, will you rest in Jesus' ability? Will you rest in Him? If you say, I've already done that, I've already trusted Christ as my Savior, then this question's for you. Will you live obediently? Will you live obediently for Him? Will you follow Him? Will you serve Him? Will you love Him? Obedience is the issue here. Isn't it so true how our children forget what we say in five minutes? Right? In five minutes they forget what we say. But then when you get... It's, it's amazing that somehow, although they forget what we say in five minutes, they can remember who pushed the button the last time you were on an elevator. Isn't that amazing what they can remember and what they can't? And we're the same way. We, we say, well, obey this, God, but we're not going to obey that. And we'll obey that, but we're not going to obey this. And God, what would you say about that? And we tend to live disobediently. God has called us to live obediently according to his word. Jesus didn't die and save you and then make you the boss. You're not the boss. He is Lord. He is king and he is Lord. And he deserves your obedience. 
absolutely without question. According to His Word. That's, we live obediently to His Word. Don't live life for all the influences and all the likes and all the algorithms. Live for and according to His Word. The Bible's always better. It's always better than visions. It's always more trustworthy than your experience. It's stronger than tradition. Trust the Word. Obey the Word. Live the Word. Do you want to know God? You want to hear from Him? Read the Word. It's amazing to me that people say, man, I wish God would speak to me. I want to hear God speak to me. I want to hear God speak. And I'm the whole time thinking, man, why would He speak to you when you don't listen to what He's already said? In His Word. He's already said it. So obey Him. Live according to the Word. Your situation, whatever it is, is never going to change the Word. But the Bible can change you. Always. Always change you. So live according to the Word. Be obedient to the Bible. And, and, and let me say this about the Word of God. God's Word ought to impact you. Impact your joy. It ought to stir the joy in your heart more than what you read in the headlines. It ought to impact you that way. Are you being obedient to what Jesus has asked you to do in his word? Is your life an obedient testimony to him? See, he, Jesus, his will is to heal us. Say, so, well, how do we know he wants to heal us? How do we know that? Well, you know, Jesus appeared in the womb so we could disappear from the tomb. How about that? Jesus, he was born so we could be born again. He calls us by name so we can call upon his name. He calls us his own so we can... Call on His name. Remember, that name that's above all other names. Any sin you have in your life, His name's greater than that. Any disobedience, His name's greater than that. His will is to heal us. Think about how He entered this kingdom of earth so you and I could enter the kingdom of heaven. That wasn't by accident. He didn't come for Himself. He came for you. He came for me. He has forgiven us forever so we can be forever forgiven. Think about when he came off the mountain. After he preached the sermon, he, he came off the mount so he could move the leper's mountain and heal him of his leprosy. This is what Christ has done. His will is to heal us. He wants to join us together so we can enjoy him all together. That's what he wants to do. His name was written on the cross on top of that hill so your name could be written in heaven. That's why. He was raised from the dead on the third day so today... You could be rescued from death today. So I want to challenge you. If you've not trusted him, if you've not put your faith in Christ, if you've not come to that place where you've humbled yourself and realized, man, I am unclean and I need to be cleaned, I want to challenge you right now to open your heart to what the Holy Spirit is stirring in you. Whether you're in the room worshiping or at home, wherever you are, open your heart right now and ask the Lord Jesus to make you clean just like the leper did. Just call on His name. Trusting, of course, believing in your heart, yes. And call upon His name. And you'll be saved today. Again, we're all sinners. But praise God, He loves us. He don't want to leave us in our sin. He's come to rescue us. So put your trust and faith in Him today. Call upon His name. And He'll save you right now. And if you've done that, if, if you've already made that decision, here's the question to every believer. Are you living obediently? 
I'm telling you, are you living in a way that is obedient to the Word of God? If not, you need to come to these steps and confess your sin. The Bible says He is just, He is faithful, He'll forgive you of your sin. Come lay them out before the Lord and live for Him and Him alone. Jesus, His will is to heal us. Amen? Would you stand with me as we worship? Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you would continue to work in our hearts as we sing, even after we sing, even after we leave here today, that we be convicted of our sin, that we confess them as you forgive them, and we'd live more and more like you every day that passes. And for any person who is far from God that would say today, I'm going to be like the leper, I'm going to buck the system, I'm going to make a beeline to Jesus, I pray they'll do it today. I pray they'll text us to 79969 and let us know whatever decision they've made for you. We want to pray with them. We want to celebrate with them. God, help us right now to take out our phones and text Jesus or connect to 79969. We ask it now in Jesus' name.